Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Director of IBM Digital Assets and CTO of Portal. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. So with me, of course, today is our friend and colleague, Nitin Gower. Good morning, Nitin. Hey, Derek. Good morning to you and good evening to me. Uh, glad to be here again. Another exciting week. Uh, looking forward to it. Yes, juicy topic today, because it's a topic that people don't normally jump straight into. And we've got a special guest with us today who we'll introduce in just a moment. But you've often heard me speak about my view that the world of exchanges, stock exchanges, like the Australian Securities Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange, are in essence giant siloed exchanges with finite capabilities and run on a tradition that's been around for 150 years. So let me define that. You know, if you're based in, in um, let's say you're based in Mumbai, are you going to be trading Australian securities? Well, you're not because too damn hard. Unless you've got a Bloomberg screen and you can access half a dozen different services, getting onto that world is very difficult. And also to be a listed company in Australia or another nation for that matter, is a highly complex, highly expensive process that involves a large number of third-party consultants. And really to get on a little exchange like Australia, and I define that as little in comparison to New York, it's a million dollar process. So let's talk about security tokens, because I think it'll revolutionize the silos of the world that we see now, and it'll expand what can be traded in these worlds. And with us today, We've got Jonah Schultman, who can, who, he's, who's from Security Token Market, and their tagline, I love Jonah, it's brilliant, taking the wall out of Wall Street. Hello, Jonah, and welcome <laughs> along. That's exactly right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to be here. <laughs> so maybe you could, obviously, we always start at the beginning a bit high level, so everyone can get an understanding of kind of the geography of this space. Um, talk a little bit about, please, what um, Security Token Market does and, uh, and maybe address this possibility of changing the way these siloed exchanges work around the world. 100%. So just to back up a little bit, we, we've been around for about four years. And what Security Token Market is, is a information and data source. So when we came around, you know, we have there's exchanges maybe like T0, these, these specialized exchanges to trade these assets. And before I actually dive into that, we'll keep it high level. Is a security token is a traditional security that runs on the blockchain, right? So that could be a private security, a public security, but you simply flip the switch, you put it on the blockchain. So that really opens up the floodgates to the number of investment opportunities for everyone. So it democratizes mm. access for the little person. That's a huge value add to me. So, you know, wherever you are in the world, you could be looking at an apartment building, a real estate building, maybe your favorite sports team, a restaurant, a supercar, through a global investor base. And that global investor base can trade it on a specialized exchange. So that is kind of like a cool way of looking at our industry. And what we do is we disseminate 
all of that information, all that trading data into one global hub for everyone to track that data and track the information. So, so Jonah, it, it's not just traditional assets um, that can be in this world. It can be obviously digital assets, very high value digital assets of some form or other. And that there's, there's two questions I really want to get an understanding in. And, and that one is, is, you know, the difference between NFTs and security tokens. And if you fractionate an NFT, does that mean it's a security token? Um, where's the line there so that everyone has some clarity on, on what the security token is? For sure. So there's a really interesting line there. And a lot of people, I will say, are bending the securities definition, <laughs> um, to put it lightly. <laughs> so an NFT is a non-fungible token, which means there's, it's one, there's one of them. There's one of one. You cannot, they're not interchangeable. You can't trade them. Versus a security, maybe like an Apple stock, uh, a share in Apple is completely fungible, meaning like me and Nitin or me and Derek can trade it together. You can swap them interchangeably. Or, and then with an NFT, it's kind of like you own a collectible and there's, it's just one of them. So it's bending the definition a lot. If you fractionalize an NFT by definition, you're really bending the securities a lot. For, I'll give you an example. So a huge NFT platform you may have heard of called Board Ape Yacht Club. Yeah. It's one of the biggest NFT platforms and they are killing it. They released an NFT probably two years ago and they released it. They made a ton of money and the NFT floor is probably over hundred Ethereum. And that's amazing for the holders. You know, what's even mm -hmm. more amazing, the parent company, Yuga Labs, who actually that's own right. it. So they, what well, they raised like $450 million in us in the, the seed round at a, like, was it a $4 billion valuation is probably the most valuable seed round ever. And what's interesting is that the board Ape yacht club holders got a distribution of a cryptocurrency backed by the company, you know? So it's, it's interesting how that's working. They're definitely bending securities laws. You can't do that as the point I'm making. Yes. So that's kind of like the definition where you have the NFT is you're supposed to just hold it and it's just one of one versus securities is like it's interchangeable. If that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Now, the cost, the great advantage is the technology associated with um, security tokens that are so much more advanced than, than really an analog shareholding that gives you a right to vote and and it gives you dividends or possibly some options, which is the sort of the, 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 the world of traditional. So, so Jonah, in, in the world of traditional exchanges, they're quite limited in the capability of what each one of the stocks are doing. It's an analog environment, really. And each stock is capable of distributing a dividend and providing a voting right or maybe providing an option. And that's about it. Whereas in the world of security tokens, um, you can provide potentially not just all of those features, but other smart contract opportunities, which enables, you know, the investor to become a consumer and get benefits from buying into that, into that particular um, company's products and services, et cetera. Do you see that as important? And do you see that as going to be a big part of what is smart contract driven uh, world and security tokens? Yeah, you know, Derek, that's a great question. I think that's one really, really powerful use case is 
you know, enabling perks and benefits to shareholders. And that's something that we're still seeing today in the traditional world. For example, with Royal Caribbean shares, I believe if you have a certain amount, you get discounts on your cruises. But the problem with that is there's millions, if not hundreds of thousands of shareholders, and these shareholders are held in street name. And what that means is their name is held in one, you know, pocket of names within a broker. So for example, Robinhood is a very powerful or very popular exchange. They don't, Royal Caribbean doesn't know who actually owns each share. They just know how many shares are within each broker or, you know, platform that plugs into the exchange or or whatnot. So I think that's powerful because we'll actually know who owns what. So for example, there's actually a company that does this and I'm not sure if it's fully 100% blockchain yet, but St. Regis Aspen, which is, you know, St. Regis is a very powerful hotel chain. The specific location of St. Regis Aspen, they tokenized, I believe, 18% of the property. Wow. Sold 18 million in a compliant security token offering to people all over the world and now trades on a specialized exchange called T0 at about a dollar a share. And if you own a certain amount of shares, you get discounts at the hotel and you get all these other perks. So I think there's, it's a cool way to get people to invest, et cetera, but there's way bigger things about smart contracts of, of what you can do. Yeah. So Jonah, this is interesting, right? And I think uh, this industry is sort of awash with acronyms and new terms, which makes it interesting yeah. to communicate in, in the industry per se. And I just wanted to sort of, you know, I have a two-pronged question. The first pro- you know, question is, the, you know, I do discern between security tokens and tokenized securities. And, and here's the, the pitch. Uh, so many of the newer trading platforms like T0 and many of the ATSs are trying to focus on capital formation. These are ability for brand new companies to raise funds in a compliant tokenized form. So instead of going down the IPO route, they're sort of issuing tokens as, and I would label them as security tokens. Um, and tokenized securities is to me a avenue for us to take existing securities uh, the four asset classes and tokenize them, which is basically taking the dematerialization that we have been doing over, over the years, converting them to tokens so they can fit the newer, which is the digitization of the entire industry. Is that the right way to think about this? So ju- just to clarify, so you're saying security tokens is like the origination at the fundraise and then yeah. it's on the blockchain at the same at the whole entire time. And you're talking about a security that has already completed the fundraise process and just sitting idly as a private company, and then you tokenize it and it becomes a tokenized security? Is that what you're saying? Correct, so I'm looking at this as uh, security tokens, which is again, from birth to inception to trading, and if the entire life cycle is born on the blockchain and and has the connectivity, has the interoperability. And the tokenized securities, again, is a modernization angle to me to say, hey, we already have securities in place. All we're doing now is whether we're tokenizing funds or tokenizing securities and bringing them to the modern sort of age of transaction systems. Uh, and, and in the past, I've looked into this as two discerning capabilities because depending on who you talk to, uh, you know, there's oftentimes a whole confusion around ICOs to STOs. And, and I would like to discern the fact that STOs are compliant. They actually follow the rule of law. They actually are regulated. They follow all the things that regulation asks them to do. Um, and at, at, at some level, there's market for both, right? One is solving capital formation, which is efficiency and everything else. Is, is that the right way to think about this? Um, I think 
there isn't no right or wrong way. It's we're in our we're in its infancy. There's a lot of different terms going around. I think we're just arguing semantics at this point. I would argue that that is a security token, um, tokenized Got security, it. digital asset security. Those are kind of all interchangeable. But yeah, it's a security compliant. Well, we we all obviously there's securities out there that aren't compliant, but we consider a security token. I'm not a lawyer, also. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, but I obviously there's a lot of securities out there, and the ones that are on the blockchain we consider security tokens. Got it. And you know, it's funny you mentioned your lawyer in blockchain space. I think everybody who's doing a blockchain is an economist, a game theorist, a lawyer. And the technologies all all at the same time because we all speak the same language and we begin to sort of you know uh, spill over. The second question I have, uh, Jonah, is mm-hmm. on the thing that you mentioned with an example of of T zero, which is basically creating that sort of specialized marketplaces. And so there's something called market structure, as you know, right? There's there are people who there's DTCC, which is central bookkeepers. There are people who post collateral. There's broker dealer networks. There are sort of custody banks, there are people who post collateral, there are people who all these counterparties form the market structure that allows for these securities to move from point A to point B, which is the old sort of you know, framework. And then right. we have now the T-zeros of the world and the newer sort of market structure that's emerging, which is sort of collapsed, right? If you look at Coinbase, for example, Coinbase is dealing with commodities, they're dealing with securities, they're a bank, they're prime brokerage, they're pretty much everything in one single sort of shop. And I just want to get your perspective that as I'm looking into this industry and dissecting it is one, the perils and the challenges of this fragmented market structure and the advantages, because now there's, uh, you know, there is an, a gap between all these different entities, which gives the market time to react as opposed to a much more faster sort of velocity of transactions that are happening in this, in this space. Just want to get your perspective to see, do you see any, and this is more of an intellectual debate that I'm having with myself, is are there, are there any advantages to existing system? And yes, we are trying to solve the issue of time and trust with blockchain. But as we go into a model that you described, which is, you know, there is data that's implicit. There's a market structure that is built in. Um, you know, is, is there any fall in drawback of that model? And, and, and that's first question. Second question is, which is again, my f- focus on the foreseeable future. And I've had this conversation with many of the industry leaders is I, I think this industry needs to grow in a meaningful way where we are taking the real world assets, which is basically taking the existing infrastructure, existing asset classes and bridging them to, to DeFi. So Tradify and DeFi bridging, um, you know, uh, which I think will be a clash of that structure that you now have a faster collapse structure here. Whereas if I'm trying to build and move the traditional finance into just more, I know it's, it's a lot to unpack there for our audiences for sure. just love to get your high level thoughts on on how do you see this unfolding if that makes sense yeah for sure so i think yeah there there's a lot to that so backing up a little bit i think in you know nfts and icos and in DAOs, there was like every year or two there was this boom right and that is because there were zero barriers to entry Everyone thinks that security tokens, oh, they were talked about it like, what, three, four, five years ago? Like, why hasn't it boomed yet? Why hasn't it boomed yet? It's because NFTs and all that, they don't follow any regulation. There is no regulation. There's no precedent around them, right? So with security tokens, I think it's going to take a lot longer for us to hit the mainstream or whatever you want to call it, because we need regulation to catch up. If there's no regulation, and I mean, we follow, you know, traditional securities laws, but 
we kind of bend it in a way where we enter a little bit of gray area where we add a blockchain component within the existing framework. So I think the innovation is already there, right? But the regulation is slow to creep up and that's what's going to get us to the mainstream. But to answer your question, so the first question was drawback. What are the drawbacks? Like, you know, obviously the world is moving to a blockchain infrastructure, but do you, you're like taking the double devil's advocate approach. Like what are we missing here, right? Okay, so, so absolutely what it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you, at the end of the day, I think the only drawback I could think at the top of my head is that if we do it on a public infrastructure, right? If we don't have oversight from the SEC, yeah. the whole rule of the SEC is to have investor protection. That's my main concern. And I don't think that's gonna be a legitimate scenario. The, the closest, you know, convergence I see there is <laughs> what we're already seeing with like, you know, ARCA has an approved uh, 1940 Act investment fund. That's right. um, there's other assets, if you've heard of Realty, is does something similar where you whitelist addresses, whitelist investors to have them. It's almost like a closed system within a within an open system. So you can, you know, you're an investor in this company or asset, but you can trade it on a public blockchain marketplace. That's how I'm seeing the like the pinnacle. It's like we can move internationally yeah. instantaneously. But as long as you're whitelisted and your KYC AML and onboarded properly, we can all do this compliantly and use the benefits of blockchain at the same time. No, I, I, I tend to agree. I think, I, and I've used the term fence. And again, not being devil's advocate, I think just trying to have the intellectual conversation in the industry that we all not drinking the blockchain Kool-Aid, even though we all, both of us have been in, in the industry for quite some time, is trying to figure this out in a, in, in a way that that's more compliant and ability for us to be able to truly transform the industry. And I was, I was working an article today, Jonah, and I came across an inter interesting sort of pitch on this is that until now, we were going after transforming via digital, and which is basically using digital transformation of what we're doing. And I think blockchain, DLT, Metaverse, Web3.0, the entire gamut is truly transforming digital. So from digital transformation to transforming digital, it's a pretty profound statement to say we are truly going down the path of digital handshakes, digital ability to enter into digital contracts and supporting all the modalities that we have talked about in the past, which means that the, the disconnect you have from private markets to public markets, uh, at the end of the day, I think as you're building these things, the interconnectivity should be seamless, that whether I'm building an STO or whether I'm taking a real estate, I should be able to have an interoperability layer. So, so I think you're, you're, you're spot on that, on, on that front, right? And we have that go and interoperability, you know, used to be a pipe dream. It used to be something that we just talked about years ago, like, oh, this is a potential benefit. We're still talking about potentials here. Like none of this is, I mean, you know, it's not a hundred percent blockchain. We all know that we, there's, there's still transfer agent. You still have, you know, traditional third parties just due to compliance reasons um, and regulations. But we actually, I actually did something that I don't think has ever been done before and not, I'm not doing it to toot my own horn. I just, I'm deep in this space. I'm trying to experiment as much as possible. You can actually, I actually arbitrage successfully. So backing up a little bit, there's a company called Exodus, right? Yep. Exodus tokenized their shares in their company, right? They raised $75 million and they trade on two exchanges that are marketplaces that specialize in security tokens. So I purchased it on one marketplace, T0, and I moved it to securitized markets because I noticed a widespread 
a very large spread. I profited about 40%. It wasn't anything to write wow. home about, but it shows it's, it's, uh, you know, if you compare arbitrage to, you know, the traditional world where you make millions of dollars off pennies, right? It's nothing, but it shows the early stages of where our industry is going, how I was actually able to move my asset compliantly on chain through the blockchain to another marketplace and sell it for a profit. So T0 actually sent it to an Algorand based wallet where I actually held the Exodus share and I was able to send it to a blockchain address on Securitize and sell it within a day. I mean, it's not instantaneous, it's not the best, but it, yeah. we're moving towards that direction. But don't you think that's a flaw in the market? In the sense, if you look at the seminal paper from Finch, uh, which looked into efficient market hypothesis, it's been 25, 30 years. Uh, and anybody in financial industry should read that paper because that talks about market data. And the whole idea behind the paper is that if we all have information symmetry, if everybody has all the information all the time, the markets reach equilibrium, which is basically bridging the gap between demand and supply. There is a efficiency in that, in that and that's the efficient market hypothesis. Uh, and I've I've looked into this for for the longest time uh, in terms of where are the data gaps and this is where you come into because you also are looking into being the leading global source of data and news on tokenized assets, um, which which I think so love to get your take on this, uh, Jonah, as mm -hmm. you are not only experimenting and you're building these things, but you're also figuring out to say well, why is there an information gap between two markets while there's abundant data in this industry. What, what gives in the right. sense that in traditional markets, you have a small basis points. And like you mentioned, over pennies, you're making all this. And that's also a flaw in some cases. I think it's a time lag, uh, which in my opinion should not happen with blockchain because the blockchain technology in general gives us unfettered access to all the data not confined unless you're going to order the data, which is confined. So love to get your thoughts on that as well. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... There's a couple of points there is, you know, even though the data is, is public for everyone, it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to see, you know, with publicly traded companies, like maybe like an Apple yeah. stock is a great example. They're tracked by so many analysts, so many people. So like anything happens, it's like an instant effect, you know? Um, you know, if we had an algorithm, algorithm that was trading and going through the blockchain and seeing all of these different variables, then it would automatically execute. But I also see it as, as a as a potential catalyst for security tokens because there is an information gap and you know these are private securities and a lot of people are trading them there isn't a ton of information you can actually you can't make millions of dollars but there are some money making opportunities here if you're really watching closely and that's exactly what i think arbitrage is doing for our industry is it's going to actually bring more people in because it's a money-making opportunity. It increases liquidity, increases trades, and increases investors because they can actually make money. And ultimately increases um, efficiencies and increases, you know, uh, visibility of, of the assets. And, you know, what this is showing us, of course, this is what, what you're experiencing here is typically what a small exchange um, experiences, a very small exchange. Uh, often experiences periods of illiquidity, um, periods of, you know, not price visibility that is good enough for people to understand how it's operating. And that, uh, if there's a similar, if the, if the, the uh, uh, security is, is co-listed in another um, space, and I've been involved with companies that have listed them on the, uh, in the Australian Securities Exchange and in the Frankfurt Exchange, arbitrage occurs. And what you're hoping is the arbitrage gets very, very close and narrow 
and start to trade because then you're getting the efficiencies of the market coming back in place and price discovery appearing again. But in very, uh, in, in very small turnovers, you're not getting that. And maybe that's where we're at at the moment in, in this particular marketplace. You know, I get a sense that you know, we're at the absolute primordial aspect of this marketplace when we're seeing these combinations occurring between you know, what Coinbase is doing, T0 is doing, you know, the security token market like yourself are doing. We're still sort of discussing where ICOs and DAOs and NFTs sit into all of this. It's so early in this space. So early. It was so early four years ago. It's crazy. Like, you know, I've, I've been on the content side of things. I've been doing, and obviously you wear a lot of different hats in a growing company, but I've been really focused on building content. And when I first started with the company, I had so much trouble even finding content. All I would talk about are the hypotheticals of what this technology can do. <laughs> and now we're actually wow. seeing what it, in real time, like I would, you know, we'd make posts about like interoperability, arbitrage is a possibility. Now it's actually happening, but it's so early. And to your point even further is, you know, NFTs, cryptos, DAOs, like all those blockchain subsets are so small compared sure. to the global capital markets. I think Nitin, didn't you even say this at the Vertalo conference, that the, to the potential addressable market is like four quadrillion? Two point four. ridiculous number. That's the Whatever, number I yeah, used in the quadrillion. Number, yeah. 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 So, I mean, crypto is what, less than two trillion? It's, it's nothing compared, if you yeah. want to compare, which they're not really comparable. That's right. And not only no. that, but you're not, you're comparing crypto, sorry, Nick, you're comparing crypto, um, which is the entire economy of cryptocurrency, every aspect of how yeah. cryptocurrency works, every facet of the business and the, the sovereign states, two billion dollars. It's tiny. Um, so what's fascinating now is that I am often asked by, by traditional investors, oh, so it's a new boom. Um, where's the picks and shovels? How can I invest in the picks and shovels? So security token market, are you a pick and shovel, Jonah? Hey, anything's <laughs> possible. Um, but it's possible. Yeah, I can um, I go into that a little bit. Um, you know, we, we're at the forefront of this. We're, we're trying to, as uh, one of my colleagues at work, like, like say, we're trying to LeBron James the industry, um, <laughs> which I think is a hilarious analogy. <laughs> but um, we decided because, you know, we've built a very strong security token community. And for four years, we've, we've just been doing consistent content, consistent research and data, trying to really position ourselves as the global source and hub for security token data research. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Long way to go to keep building. Yeah. So, so let me ask another question on this. One is, so you mentioned T0. We talked about Bortalo. That's the conference we went, uh, you know, we, you know, we met at, and then you have Oasis Pro Markets, and then you have mm -hmm. you guys, which is, you know, um, the STO markets, and then you have market makers and you have liquidity providers. Doesn't that begin to mimic the digital sort of version of the analog markets, for example. So where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as Bloomberg's and definitive of, of the traditional markets? Do you see yourself as, for example, a fund advisory services um, because you're in that, you know, you're providing some of those elements or maybe it's not fair for us to even compare to what we know of existing market structures. Say, hey, this is a completely new world. 
and they could be a dual function of an entity like yours or a dual function of an entity like an exchange who is not only providing exchange services, but also providing custody services and providing broker-dealer services, okay. which oftentimes is a service provided by distinct entities in the traditional market infrastructure. Uh, does that make sense? I think so it where do you see yourself? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of those players also, they'll still do the traditional processes we have, but it will be an evolution of that, like build on top of that. So just a quick analogy is, you know, you have a normal company, a strong community, they use an NFT and it's an extension of value to build off of the brand. So that's kind of an example. But for us, where we see ourselves is, and we have a couple of different business verticals. We definitely want to do the fund model. Uh, that's on our a def- different subsidiary within our hold co with Secure Token Capital. But for us specifically, I guess you could put us closely to Bloomberg, where we're like the data oracle for all blockchain-based securities and just tokenized right. assets. We're going to be raising this capital to really revamp our entire website, to build trading tools, gamification, um, and you know better data structures and all of that. You know, really revamp that. And then we're going to be having. You know, we're going to create the STM index, which is going to be cool, um, and all of this cool stuff. Mm. No, that's exciting. That's actually very exciting. Uh, looks like uh, you know you have a lot to look forward to, Jonah. Um, Absolutely, it's a lot, a lot of fun. a lot of changes. Yeah, yeah, it's, so, yeah. We, uh, yeah, no, please. So you know, as, as we're getting on in time, and it's typical. This is another one we could just keep talking about and talking <laughs> yeah. about because this, because you know, we we are in this primordial slime of of the creation of life in this space, and uh, and you're trying to decipher it and play a role in it and communicate sectors of it and and what that sector's doing in a Bloomberg kind of manner, as you say, um, and the people that are listening to this are always trying to learn, and so. Um, if they want to reach out and connect with you, how can they do that, Jonah? Absolutely. Well, you can first reach me in my email, Jonah, J-O-N-A-H, at stomarket.com, or hit me up on Twitter, Jonah Shulman. Easy as that. Terrific. Excellent. And, and how do they actually participate in the initiatives, in several initiatives that the STO Markets <laughs> is undergoing through at the moment? Um, so the best way to find that would be to go to the uh, stomarket.com and hit the top banner and it will directly right to the source of where you're going to find anything about that. Got it. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, we could talk for hours, Jonah, and we do talk for hours <laughs> when we talk. Uh, so hope Absolutely. to see you in one of the conferences uh, if you're not already fatigued with uh, a billion conferences <laughs> happening at the same time with the same content. But uh, looking forward to seeing for you in sure. person, Jonah. And, and thanks again for, for coming on, sharing your perspectives. And, and, and uh, thanks again. Me as well. It was a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Jonah. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please feel free to connect with either Nitin or myself on nitin at portal.am or Derek at portal.am. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week. Bye for now.